welcome back to another edition of what I like to call from nonsense to God sense as we take a look at some of the things that go on in this world and we look at them through a biblical perspective in an effort to try to maybe gain some understanding and some wisdom because oftentimes, especially in this day and age, the year being 2020 as it is, we look for answers in all kinds of places and other avenues and other uh, places that we might look might not provide us the answers that we're looking for to give us that peace and that calm and the chaos. And sometimes it requires, in fact, all the time it really does, but, you know, a further look into the biblical perspective of things. And uh, joining me is Dan Delzell. And Dan is an author at the Christian Post. So if you just Google search Christian Post and and then search his name, you'll see all the articles that have come up. And we've talked about various things that he has written about as well. And we have recently come off a, a little kind of unintended mini-series, so to speak, about foundations. You know, we start out with the foundations of relationships, marriage, sex, um, and then we move to the foundations of our uh, Christian lives and what it's like to be a Christian and the foundations of our Christian country and the nation. And we've kind of looked at the those three areas uh, from a foundational perspective through the Bible. And Dan, today we're going to be talking about something that I actually like to talk about because I don't think too many people can engage in this type of conversation on the topic without getting too political, or without getting too uh, dogmatic or even, you know, hostile about it. And that is the uh, topic of uh, can you be gay and a Christian? And as we get the conversation started, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, looking through all the different uh, ideas that are out there in doing some research, it really is something that has become such a vast political and heightened topic that if you Google search anything, you could come up with a hundred different answers to that question. Yeah, that's for sure, Son. And uh, it is great to be back with you again. And uh, what an important topic to be discussing. You know, as we consider that question, can you be gay and a Christian? I think one of the first things that's important to do is to really look at the definitions because you just take the word gay, for example. Uh, you know, that word is defined differently by different people. What I mean by that is, you know, some people will um, use that word for a person who, uh, who just has, uh, you know, same-sex attraction. But um, is it necessarily getting into it? And and other people will use that that, that that term for people who are, you know, willfully engaging in a in, in a gay lifestyle. And and so we really need to you know define the term uh, and and talk about what what we mean by that term. Uh, you know, I think most people today, if they say, well, you know, I'm gay. You know, what they're basically saying is, you know, um, I, I have the, the, the desires for the same sex, you know, relationship. And I think most people who would use that term would, would be indicating that, you know, they're, they're, they're certainly open to, uh, if not already in a, in a gay relationship, open to, you know, to being in one, looking to be in one. And, and so, you know, can you be gay and a Christian? Well, um, you know, uh, we're all sinners. Um, we all have uh, desires that go astray from uh, from God's word and from the way God wants us to be, and and so whether a person has a desire to hold a grudge or gossip or engage in fornication or engage in homosexual behavior, um, you know the Bible lists all of these as as sins. I know one thing we'll be talking about today is just. Uh, you know, because a lot of people wonder, well, how, how can it be a sin 
uh, especially if it's just, you know, two people, and especially let's say if they're married. I mean, how, how could that possibly be, be sinful? Uh, and, and, you know, uh, you know, the only thing we have to go on there really is, is God's word, which is, is very clear, uh, you know, on, on the matter. And, and so, um, you know, can you be gay and a Christian? Well, you, you can be, um, you can be tempted and be a Christian. Uh, you, you can have wrong desires and, and be a Christian. You, you can be, um, fallible and imperfect and be a Christian, um, but but what the Bible says is that in order to to be a Christian, um, one needs to repent of his sin or her sin, and and to seek to turn from it, which, which is a very uh, different thing than just um, you know willfully engaging in in sin and and just doing so as though that's you know that that's the direction of my life as as, as a, let's say as a Christian, you know. Um, so I think we really have to get, we, we really have to get some, some definitions in place and that can help us. I think son, as we start to wrestle a bit with that, uh, important question. You know, one of the things that I think should be defined because I think people put them in the same category and that is temptation versus committing the act of sin. Jesus was tempted, but he yeah. never sinned. And so we get right. tempted every day. That doesn't mean right. we're doing anything wrong because Satan will come and tempt right. us. And so for right. somebody in this conversation to have same-sex attraction or mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. sexual attraction towards anybody outside of marriage right. is one thing. That doesn't make you yeah. bad. Right. And when, Well, and I don't want to say it makes you bad, but that's not the sin. Yeah, I know what you mean. The mm-hmm. sin comes uh, when you act upon it. And so I think that's one thing when you talk about definitions that, you know, we need to kind of put there on the table because if people are tempted, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you have done something or that no, doesn't right. mean that you are in the wrong. That just means Satan's coming and he's attacking you. It's how you yeah, act. Yeah, you know, you know that, that, that's right, son. You know, one way that I, I kind of like to put it is, um, you know, no one chooses to have gay feelings. Uh, you know, in other words, I don't think, you know, uh, somebody wakes up one day and and just all of a sudden says, "Hey, you know, I think uh, I think I'm going to be gay, or I want to I want to uh, you know live as a as a gay person." Um, but but what people do experience are these desires that um, you know many would even call unwanted, um, you know, and especially if if they're um, you know being uh, at all ridiculed or singled out because of it. Um, but 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 whether. Um, whether they're wanted or not, um, they come from somewhere. And so the real question is, do they come from God? Or as we read the Bible, do we see that there are a whole host of desires that, that, that people can acquire, um, that do not come from God? And, 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 and just because, you know, we might in our own mind want to validate a, a certain desire because it seems to us like it is um, it should be okay. Um, doesn't mean that that's how God looks at it. And, and, uh, so there's so many issues with this, not the least of which is, um, you know, we're all sinful. So when we talk about, uh, you know, a really, a, a touchy topic like this, we just have to always be sure to emphasize that, you know, um, we all are fallible. We all are sinful. We all need a savior. Um, but, but needing a savior is one thing. Um, defining sin and, and the life that God has for me is another. 
So um, I, I think those are some other important factors. Yeah, one of the things that, because uh, I have done a lot of reading and a lot of you know research, if you want to call it that, on the topic, because it's something that has been in the mainstream of, of Christianity, the church, uh, politics, you know, for a very long time now. And one yes. of the things that I keep hearing over and over from people asking questions of Christian leaders is mm-hmm. how can God create somebody who is gay and, right. and, and, and have it be wrong and have that lifestyle be wrong. And there's never, I've never heard anybody challenge the question because mm-hmm. God doesn't create gay people. God doesn't create right. sin people. You know, we right. are born into right. sin. We are conceived in sin because of what Adam and Eve have done. And yeah. it's not God creating these people. It's kind of like the same question. Right. How can a good God send people to hell? Well, we choose hell right. in our decisions. And that's the, 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 the judgment. It's not like the judge in a criminal case for somebody who has, uh, killed a bunch of people. The judge isn't sending the person to prison because the judge deems that person for whatever reason bad. The judge right. is sending that person to prison because the jury has spoken and the right. crimes have been committed and the evidence is there. So, I mean, if that makes right. sense, it's kind of the same thing. God didn't create this. No. Man accepts it based on the infallibility of mankind, and yet people still like to put it back on God and say, how can God create? Well, he didn't, and nobody ever challenges that question. Yeah, isn't that something, Son? You know, and, and, and as I think about just the, the history of the world and, and, and the history that we have over the past, you know, 6,000 years of, of biblical history. I mean, we, we don't know how old the earth is. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us that, but it does tell us um, you know, that Adam and Eve were uh, created about 6,000 years ago. We know that because of the timeline and the ages that were given of their children and all the subsequent uh, generations. So 6,000 years ago, uh, God created one man and one woman. And in the Old Testament, over those, uh, you know, 4,000 years roughly, um, what we find is that God points out things that are an abomination to him, that are evil in his eyes, whether it be murder, whether it be adultery, whether it be homosexual behavior, whether it be, um, you know, lying, stealing. And, and when we come to the New Testament, then, um, you know, you know, some people will say, well, you know, Jesus didn't, um, he, he never really addressed homosexuality, you know, specifically. Well, um, and, and, and they hope to use that as maybe an argument to say, well, hey, God must be okay with it now. Well, you know, that is way more than just a stretch. Um, that, that's, that's saying, Son, that, you know, um, for example, in the Old Testament, it said, thou shalt not murder. You know, um, Jesus came along and he says, you know, whoever says to uh, someone, you fool, is in danger of the fire of hell. So, I mean, he really, rather than lowering the bar, he raised the bar. Now it's not just killing somebody. It's killing somebody with your with your tongue, with with what you say to them. You you could be guilty of going, you know, uh, you know, condemned to hell for that uh, if, if you're not forgiven. Um, you know, how about with adultery? You know, the Old Testament, thou should not commit adultery. And then Jesus comes along and, and he said, you know, if anyone looks at a woman lustfully, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. So rather than lowering the bar, he raised the bar uh, because now we have the Holy Spirit. Now we have, you know, Christ has come. He's given his life. Um, you know, God raised the bar, as it were. He didn't lower the bar. Uh, and, and then when it comes to this issue, you know, those who would say, well, he didn't address it. Well, God's word has clearly addressed it. 
um, and, and the New Testament, here, here's what the New Testament, among other things, has, has to say, son, you know, when we're talking about, you know, God didn't make a person that way, and that's very, very true. Uh, in Romans 1, it's talking about how the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. So man's exchanging um, worship of the true God for worship of, of man's little statues, you know, um, his, his little idols. And now look at what God does then in verse 24, after man made this exchange, okay? Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over. There it is again. It's the Greek word, you know, paradidomy. He gave them over. Three times it says this. He gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. So get that. Natural relations would be woman desiring man. Okay? But God gave them over. Not women would, would be desiring women. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. And then it goes on to list a lot of other things that their mind became filled with, um, and, you know, uh, envy and murder, strife, malice, gossips, uh, God-haters, etc. But, but, but the point there, very clearly in Romans 1, son, we come out of 4,000 years of Old Testament history, um, not only did God never, ever even hint that, you know, homosexual you know, behavior would be pleasing to him or acceptable to him, he said just the opposite. Now we enter the New Testament, and what does God say, uh, you know, as Paul writes here in Romans, um, that, that these desires, these same-sex desires, were actually a result of God um, really just kind of, if, if you were, almost removing that kind of that natural or, you know, protection that God built into man, whereby, you know, men would desire women and women would desire men. It's almost like as a, as a divine discipline, um, there, there were people there that God removed that protection uh, from their hearts because of their idol worship, and now they began to burn with lust for those of the same sex. So, so it is definitely... Um, something that is is a long way from God's will. It, it was actually a, a divine discipline, if you will, or punishment. Now, I want to be very quick to add, Son, that doesn't mean that, you know, everybody today, whether it be, you know, 1% of the population, uh, personally, I don't think it's 2%, but, but you got different figures, you know, in there that people will, will, will state. But let's just say, let's just say it's 2% of the population uh, that has same-sex desire. Um, I, I'm not suggesting from Scripture that, you know, those 2% of people are being, you know, disciplined or punished by God today for their wickedness, whereas, you know, the rest of us, 98%, who, who don't have those, you know, same-sex desires and attractions, you know, well, we're, we're not as bad as they are, because if we were, we'd be—no, I'm not saying that. But what, what I am saying is, 
um, the, the, the Bible does seem to give us the pathology of when this desire, how, how it spawned, how it came forth. Uh, and and it, it seems to be the result of man's idol worship. It, it seems to be the result of God saying, okay, you want to give your heart over to sin? Then I'm going to just kind of pull back some of this natural protection you have that, that, that just gives you desire for the opposite sex. That's how I'm reading it there in Romans, you know, son, and, and that is a long way from saying that, you know, God ever made a person that way or that, or that God desires a person to be that way. And, and although we don't understand today why that one or 2% of people, why they have that desire and others don't, we don't get that. We don't know that. Um, we're all sinful, but we all have got the, the wiring messed up within us. The, uh, you know, we all have a sinful nature, um, and we're all equally guilty of sin, regardless of what maybe our particular temptations uh, might be. Dan Delzell with us. And uh, according to the uh, Gallup poll a couple of years ago, if you want to be liberal with the LGBT community, uh, whatever all that inclusiveness is, I think today it's been two years since the Gallup poll was uh, conducted, and I think today it'd probably be a little bit higher. But it says four percent of the population is considered LGBT, and of course, mm. you know now you've got nine non-binary and I don't know all these other things. It's it's ridiculous, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I don't mean ridiculous as an negative standpoint, but what they right, throw right. in there. I mean, you just yeah, I mean, exactly. you things that. W- you know, you have to look up Urban Dictionary, you know, to find out uh, yeah. what some of these uh, qualifications are, you know. Um, right. But uh, but it's it's still, a, like you said, a small population, even if you include everybody, whatever mm-hmm. that everybody might be in the LGBT. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things, Dan, that I often thought was kind of – it was interesting because it seems like the gay community was always demonized as – it reprobates bad people, evil, like a, a, a degenerate. And the Bible right. strictly speaks about sin. There's no greater sin. In fact, the, the greatest sin right. is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But he says there is right. no greater sin. Murder and a white lie are the same yeah. in God's yeah. eyes. You know, the consequences yeah. now here on earth might be different, right. vastly different. Don't get me wrong. But in God's eyes, as we stand before him, you could have a Charles Manson who let's just say for this conversation, did not accept Jesus right? and stands before God in judgment. And let's say you just have your mom next door, the little old lady next door right. who baked cookies right. for everybody, but yet right. she didn't accept Jesus. God no, does not no. look on either of them differently. No. Because no, no. And, and one, one quick thing I'll throw in, I don't want to interrupt you, Simon. One quick thing I'll throw in there, though, is that, you know, God is a, a just God, and the, and, and the Bible does seem to indicate that there will be different degrees of punishment in hell. And so, you know, um, I, I think, uh, you know, someone like a Hitler, uh, you know, if God has a far worse punishment for him, it's really terrible for everybody now. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but, but I think even in God's justice, even in his punishment, um, you know, uh, for example, those who, let's say, abuse children. I mean, you know, the Bible speaks very harshly against you know, those who would harm little ones. I mean, so, uh, yeah, I, your, your, your point is very well taken. And I would, I just wanted to add that I, I do find in scripture, you know, support for this idea that there will be different degrees of punishment in hell, just like there'll be different rewards in heaven. Although heaven will be fantastic for everyone who's there. So, yeah. And so, um, but I just, but to get back to the, my original point, people yes. have tend to, to view, uh, people in the gay community as like this, you know, separate class. 
of right. a person. And one of the people, I've got a, uh, a couple of audio bites that want to play through this uh, conversation, but yeah. one is Rosario Butterfield. If, if people don't know who she is, she was somebody that was uh, a lesbian from the age of 26 to 38. She's uh, has since accepted Christ and had a conversion. And she talks about... Uh, that very thing, and uh, because she came out of that, and she wants to remind the Christians and the Christian community just who the gay person that they see might be. So take a listen, and I'll get your thoughts on it. Is that people are, are people, and um, folks who identify as lesbian or gay, bisexual, transgendered, queer, are... Um, you know they they're they're trying to make make the most sense of their life as they can they 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 feed their dogs they love their children they they keep they keep good care of their gardens i mean people are people um and so the the most important thing that christians can do is not is not buy into this um this real travesty of personhood that has come to us through the category of sexual orientation and that is to believe that somehow People who identify as gay or lesbian are a separate species of people. There's one category of personhood. A person is, has a soul that will last forever, is an image bearer of a holy God. So even when we meet people who um, are, are reflecting that image badly, and, and I think it's fair to say that we all would be that, considered that person, we still must see that person as an image bearer of a holy God. I find that interesting because she talks about how People are people, and that's just exactly what it is. You know, I think in the early stages of when the Christian church was battling, you know, the gay Christian or the gay community, it was looked down upon as a separate breed of people. But in actuality, they are no different than you and I. Right, right. Exactly, Sign. You know, one way that a person might, you know, be able to, you know, wrap their mind around how the Bible addresses this would be to think about, let's say, someone, for example, who struggles with, um, you know, an alcohol addiction. Okay, so so that individual, um, you know, at some point in life started to drink too much and became addicted to it. Now, you know, we, we hear stories regularly of, of people who um, have, have, have been able to, by God's grace, you know, uh, overcome that, uh, that addiction. I mean, sometimes it's even, you know, uh, you know, people who don't know the Lord yet who've stopped drinking, but let's just say Christians who, who by God's grace, um, be, been able to stop it. But, but here's the thing, here's the point I want to make, son, and that is this. Um, I, I think if you ask anyone who has struggled with, uh, with alcohol or had an addiction, um, even if they've been, you know, clean and sober for years and years, I think most of them, um, recognize because they know they know stories of people who have. If you fall back into it, you know you you take that one drink, and you could just be you know back into a full blown you know here you know re relapse in no time. Now why is that? How can a person go for you know years, let's say, and then all of a sudden um, just with just a very you know light amount of alcohol, let's say, be right back into it? And here's the way I would explain that biblically. You know, for the Christian son, we all have a basement room in our soul, as I like to call it. It's called the sinful nature. And there's nothing good that dwells down there in the basement. Where we want to live is in the living room and in the upper, you know, levels of the house with Jesus, hanging out with him, enjoying his presence, keeping our eyes and thoughts on him. The basement is not where we want to go. Um, that's where all the sinful desires are at. We don't have to live down there. Our heart doesn't have to dwell down there. You know, but here's the thing. 
for the alcoholic, okay, even though maybe they've gone decades without taking a drink, there is that particular thing for them that they could they could very easily be right back into it. And so it's it's not so much that you 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 would talk to them about like, um, you know, somehow now like just. <sighs> you know, leaving that and, and you're never going to have that again. It, it, it's more like your new life does not involve that, but you're always going to be susceptible to it. And, and, and I think, you know, people with same sex attraction would say the same thing. You know, even though, uh, even those who have by God's grace, you know, resisted by and large and said, no, I'm not going to give into those desires going forward. I don't believe that's God's will for me. I, I, I don't believe that's God's will for anyone, you know, but uh, you certainly not for me. Um, as a Christian, and and yet, um, you know, I think what they would recognize, Son, is that it wouldn't take much to maybe trigger them to want to go back down there into the basement and and give into that that desire. Um, and if they did, they would be right back there where they were. So, you know, I think people want to just have this really nice, you know, clean break. Well, you know, I used to be this. I'm no longer that. Well, you know, praise the Lord. Um, but, but, but what we have to realize is that as a human being, and that's what I got out of her comment, you know, that we're all humans, um, as a human being, you still have weaknesses. Even if you're a Christian, you still have weaknesses. Your flesh is weak. Your sinful nature is run to the core like everybody else's. And, and, and why some people, son, you know, have, have, have had that struggle where many, many more have had, let's say, an alcohol addiction. Um, there are others with a pornography addiction. There are others with, uh, you know, a gambling addiction. I mean, so I think whatever a, wherever a person has struggled, Wherever a person has been defeated in their life by that thing that is, is not of the spirit, but it's of the flesh. It's not from God. Um, you know, it's from the world. It's from our sinful nature. It's from desires that we, we, we wish we didn't have. And when we get to heaven, we won't have them. But we do now. Um, but, but whenever somebody is struggling with that, um, we, we, we don't want to make it seem as though, you know, there's going to be like this switch that just gets flipped. Now, all of a sudden, you're no longer that. But having said that, and one thing, and we don't have to do it right this second, but before we're done today, I, I, I would love to, to speak, Son, about um, why the terminology that we use is so important, both about ourselves and about this issue. Um, and and I, I'll just very quickly just say, you know, um, I, I personally um, – think it's, it's wiser for a Christian, let's say, who struggled with alcohol, to not use the term any longer that I'm an alcoholic. Because alcoholic seems to suggest um, that, you know, um, I'm, I'm still, you know, maybe under the dominion of this, uh, of this uh, vice. Although I think many alcoholics would say, well, that's not what I mean by it. And, and, and so, well, then, okay. Uh, you know, bi biblically, though, you don't find sinful labels put on Christians because God doesn't want us to be identifying ourselves with that. Um, but that's what goes back to what we started with, and that is, can you be gay and a Christian? Well, what do you mean by gay? You know, are, are, are you talking about, you know, gay as, as a propensity that a person has? And they will always most likely have, at least deep within their soul, there's always going to be that. Um, but, but at the same time, God can, can overcome that and begin to develop natural desires as, as, as people who've come out of that lifestyle have experienced and are now married in a heterosexual relationship and so forth. So those are just a couple aspects of this song that I think also, you know, come into play.
Yeah, I kind of find it interesting and kind of a bit humorous when people say I'm a gay Christian. I don't walk mm-hmm. around saying I'm a swearing Christian or I'm right. a gambling Christian or I'm a lying Christian, you know, because mm-hmm. like you said, I'm not, uh, I'm so and so and I'm an alcoholic. We go around saying I'm so and so, I'm a Christian, not right. I'm so and so, I'm a sinner. You know, we don't focus on right. that. And that's one thing that I've never right. really understood about, you know, recovery yeah. is labeling that. And that's a, a conversation for another day. But, um, sure. but yeah, we don't go around talking about, you know, we, we, we live in the victory that we have in Christ and not in the defeat yeah. of our sin. And that's the other thing too. You know, I think it's a, it's a twisting of theology to try to make it to make it acceptable when you say i'm a gay christian um yeah it was kind of like one time a church i was going to they were trying to have christian yoga and it's like okay if you have to put christian in the name then you're just trying to justify something that you probably shouldn't be doing i'm not judgmenting on yoga i'm just using it as an example they felt like they needed to validate their behavior by throwing christian in it um you know i know there was a stripers a rock band and they for years were, you know, people referred to them as a Christian rock band and they were like, no, we're just a rock band and we're a bunch of Christians. You know, they, they tried uh-huh. to get away from that. But it's almost like when it comes to this topic, the way that theology has changed and that people try to change theology, um, uh-huh. has a big impact on it. They're justifying the sin. They're justifying yeah. the fact that, you know, they are who they are and that, you know, we need to change our theology. We need to change Christianity to accept them. And what I mean by that is, okay, I know that, let's say, swearing is bad, but I live in yeah. the freeways of L.A., and I'm going to let it fly sometimes. Now, I'm yeah, not going to try yeah. to justify and change Scripture to fit my yeah. swearing. I just know it's bad, right. and it's wrong, and I'm just going to do it right. anyways. Even if I do it on my, you know, even with my free will, and I know it's wrong, I'm still going to let it fly because I'm pissed off because someone cut me off. Right. Now, it's still wrong, right. but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to change Scripture. And yet people no. still try to do that. They try to change theology. They try to change scripture to fit this gay Christian lifestyle. And I think that also is very problematic and it leads to confusion and it leads to acceptance of something more so than what there should be. Yeah, that, that's right, Son. And, and if we just take it all the way back to the beginning of a person's life, you know, uh, babies are born brown or white or black or some a combination of both if their parents are of you know, uh, different races, but, but, you know, babies are born uh, of a certain color, okay? But babies are not born as alcoholics. Babies are not born transgender. Babies are not born uh, gay or gamblers, okay? Um, now, um, you know, what we're seeing in the whole transgender movement is that there's this push now for young children who experience this gender dysphoria, um, as many children go through little spells of that, um, there's this push to try to affirm it and, and then begin to guide the children in the direction of, of uh, hormone therapy and then uh, ultimately uh, surgery to alter your body. So, so this is a form of child abuse that is, is being carried out in the name of accepting people for who they are. But what it's really doing is it's, it's allowing someone's gender confusion to be used against them, and they don't even know any better than than those uh, authorities who are uh, over them, parents and, and or others who are, you know, pushing for this. Uh, babies are not born transgender. Um, babies are not born uh, gay. Babies are not born, you know, but, but babies are, are born with, with natural desires. But, but then we don't know, son, how exactly, um, you know, some people begin to experience 
you know, let's say these same-sex desires. But I'll just use the transgender thing as an example. You know, they say something like 90% of kids grow out of that gender dysphoria. So maybe there's a little boy who kind of is playing with some girls' dolls or something, or a little girl who kind of seems like a tomboy and, you know, uh, wants to dress in boys' clothes or whatever. Okay, well, we live in a day where you've got some people who are out of their minds who are now taking that as a signal, we need to transition this child to the other gender, okay? It's absolute abuse. Uh, if they would just let that thing, um, you know, let the child grow out of that and just, you know, give some good role models and mentoring, you know, the, the vast majority of those kids are going to, um, to to grow out of that. But But if you don't allow them to do that and instead tell them, no, this is who you are, so this gets down to the definitions then, fine. No, you are a transgender or you are a gay person because now as a teenager, you know, you kissed a girl and you liked it and you're a girl. So you must be gay. Um, well, no, you know, maybe you experimented with something and, and you enjoyed it and, and it was kind of a form of rebellion and, and, and it did meet an emotional need that you had, or maybe even a physical need of some sort. Maybe it didn't meet that. But, but rather than telling the individual, um, you don't want to dabble with that. Because it's kind of like dabbling with drugs. You know, if you dabble with something, um, you could become hooked. And this is what I think happens, uh, is happening today with, with transgender children, that teenagers song. In many cases, they're not being allowed the opportunity to be told the truth about their gender. And, and, and I think sadly, I mean, we're, we're well past the time in America, sadly, when young people who experience same-sex desire are being allowed to be told, you know what, um, you know, let's not make a bigger deal out of this than what it is, but let's understand what's a natural desire and what's an unnatural desire and, and why one is going to lead you in a good direction and why one is going to be very damaging, uh, you know, to, to you. Uh, now, I know there'd be a lot of people that wouldn't like to hear that, but, but you know what? You know, if we just tell people what they want to hear, if we just tell people, you know, what, how they want to live, then we're really not we're really not helping them. You know, the Bible says better is open rebuke than hidden love. So we have to be compassionate. We have to realize that we're all weak and sinful and broken. And just because maybe you know somebody that I'm talking to is broken in this area or that area, when I'm broken in this other area, in this other area, um, we have to still be able to talk about what is natural, what is not natural, what is healthy, what is not. And then how can you deal with, uh, uh, you know, a desire if you're, if you're struggling with, you know, to me, I would compare it to anorexia, Son. I mean, can you imagine if, if, if teenage girls with anorexia were, were being rushed uh, to, to consider liposuction? I mean, think about how, how damaging that would be, you know. And, and, and you know, rather than telling the, the young girl, you are already way too thin. You know, God loves you just the way you are. God wants to help you. You're not overweight, okay? But in her mind, she says she is. So imagine, Son, if we pushed her toward liposuction. This is what's happening with the transgender movement. As kids are being experimented upon, they're being pushed toward hormone therapy, they're being pushed in the direction of like this science fiction, you know, changing your body uh, because you have some gender confusion. It's tragic. It's abusive, and and perhaps some, uh, and I know that uh, you know some uh, some people have started to to, to wake up to this, um, but um, if if America can start to get a handle on the truth as it relates to uh, transgender ideology, um, who knows? 
you know, we could experience a revival in America where, where a large number of people start to realize how they've been duped by this lie of homosexuality being something that you should just go with. You should just give into because it's just the way you are. Well, you know, if you do that with your um, feelings toward fornication or adultery, um, it doesn't mean that's just the way you are. That, that, all that means is you're, you're, you're choosing to live in the basement. You're choosing to live in the basement. And, and that's not God's will. Uh, but, but God is compassionate. He's merciful. He will help us in the midst of our desires. Uh, but we are all broken, son. And, and the, the, the solution is not to just tell somebody who's broken, well, hey, let, let's just help you. Let's help you chase that desire all the way to its logical conclusion. Let's see where that takes you and how that work, uh, you know, works out. Well, it doesn't work out well. Uh, and, and that's why when they, they, uh, they did a survey of, I want to say, you know, 300 transgender uh, folks um, in another country, and they found that, um, you know, the, the, uh, the suicide rate was just astronomically higher than, than what it is just for the, um, you know, for the rest of the population. I mean, transgender life is not the answer. Homosexual, homosexual behavior is not the answer. Fornication and adultery is not the answer. You know, Jesus is the answer. And, and if a person has to live life, fighting the struggles of the basement room and one day end up in heaven where there are no, uh, there is no basement room in your soul. That's a very small price to pay to get through this life um, with Jesus rather than just say, Hey, I'm going to go with the flow because it feels good. And, and you know, nobody's going to tell me how to live. Yeah. There was an LA times uh, sports writer out here years ago and he uh, disappeared for a little bit and then he came out as transgendered changed his name and everything and uh, mm-hmm. started to talk about it a little bit more. And he uh, came on a radio station I was working at and, you know, talking about his coming out and his transition. And then uh, a few months later, he took his own life uh, the sh- mm-hmm. because, the you know, the struggle is there. And the, what people don't realize, I mean, it's like you said, with any addiction, um, yeah. we don't let people just sit there and, you know, we fight drug addiction, you know, we, we fight alcoholism, you know, there's gambling right. anonymous. Uh, so we fight these addictions, but yet for some yeah. reason we want to push somebody into something that yeah. is, uh, maybe a struggle for them. That's not exactly what they're going down. It's like we have influences, right? And we're going to listen to people yeah. who are influencing us and all those influences on us going to be positive or negative. And when we right. listen to the negative influences, there's going to be a dramatic effect on our life. Now, one of the things, Dan, that I think people argue is that they take Scripture, and we've talked about it earlier, that they take Scripture and they want to twist it to fit their narrative. They want to change it mm-hmm. so that they fit and, and, and approve of what they do in their lifestyle. And then other mm-hmm. people say that the Bible is strictly condemnation and that it's, uh, uh, it's designed to you know find flaws and to condemn us. But uh, from a video, Michael Brown video that you sent, I was looking through it and, re- and listening to it. And here's a clip I want to play um, that, that is actually the opposite of that. It doesn't talk about damnation and talk about you know criticizing somebody, but it actually has the opposite effect, which is uh-huh. a positive effect if we look at this perspective through a biblical lens. And so I'm going to play it and then uh, get your thoughts on it. Okay, great. Every relationship that's spoken of, heterosexual in nature, there is not a single positive reference to a homosexual relationship anywhere in the Bible. Every relationship that God has ordained or blessed is heterosexual. And every reference to homosexual practice is negative in the strongest possible terms. 
It's a it's a it's a clip that I found interesting because there's some people out there uh, that try to flip the script and say that you know God doesn't talk about the Bible doesn't talk about homosexuality doesn't talk about the gay community and then they try to paint it in a light perspective. But according to Michael Brown and the Bible, you know, there's nothing painted as a good thing unless you try to flip the script and rewrite the narrative. Yeah, that's, that's the only way that you can make it, uh, you know, sound in a way uh, like, you know, God, God approves of it is if you flip the script, if you just reverse what the Bible says. And, and you know, there are plenty of desires that men and women have, son, that, that go contrary to what the Lord wants us to do. Uh, and, you know, I, I was thinking when we were talking about, you know, just the way society responds when you try to help someone. Uh, let's say, who's struggling with same-sex attraction, you know, it's just crazy the way that, you know, they've come up now with these laws against what they call conversion therapy. And and they're so against you even trying to help someone in in, in that, uh, in in that, who's struggling with that um, type of of desire that um, it's just, it's just crazy, you know, that you can't even counsel someone, uh, uh, according to some people, and, and try to help them, you know, break free of that. Uh, you know, now, now the one thing I, I will say to that too, though, is it, it's not going to just be necessarily uh, as clean of a, of a switch. I mean, it's for some people, yes, it, it's, you know, kind of like people, I'm, I guess, who've left alcoholism. You know, there are going to be some people who just, you know, don't ever even maybe experience temptations with it again. But then there are going to be other son who, who, who may. And, and the same is true, I would say, with same-sex desire. But I, I think what most people will find is this. If you, can, if you can go for a day and then a week and then a month and then a year, you know, without feeding that desire, it, it's going to have less and less of a grip on you. Now, if you go, let's say, five years without feeding that desire, whatever it might be, okay, and then all of a sudden one day, you know, you're tired or you're this or you're that and you get tempted and you give in and you feed that old demon, uh, that old struggle that you had. Well, and then you say, well, how can I find myself almost back to where I was in terms of my desires when I thought I was free from that? Well, no, because if you make a trip to the basement, if you make a trip to the basement and feed those desires, um, they will never be satisfied and they will all, those desires will only grow. You, you can never quench uh, the desire for sin. Um, you know, this is why, you know, God's living water, you know, the Holy Spirit in us is so refreshing uh, be, be, because, um, you know, it, it's, it's just uh, so different. It's the opposite of sin. It refreshes the soul. It doesn't drive us to live in the basement. But what it does is it refreshes us there in the living room as we're sitting there with Jesus, hanging out with him, our eyes upon him. Um, uh, you know, if you think zero to ten, you know, a ten being a, a full-blown relapse, zero, you're sitting right there on the couch, you know, talking to Jesus, okay? Um, if you get to a one, you know, something triggers your, your addiction, you know, and now you've spent ten seconds thinking about it, okay? Um, it's going to be a lot easier to get from a one back to a zero than it is uh, to get from, let's say, a, a six or a seven down to a zero. Most people, once they get to a six or a seven, are going to go to a full-blown relapse before they ever get back to zero. Um, so, you know, maybe, uh, you know, set up an accountability uh, relationship with a, a friend 
and just say, hey, you know, um, I got this issue. I mean, you don't even necessarily have to tell them what it is if you don't want to. But uh, will you just be my accountability partner? And um, if I get triggered in my area of weakness, I'm going to text you the number one. And I'm gonna, I want to do that, my friend, if you'll allow me to, because I want you to know that something triggered my addiction. And, and I want you to pray for me. And it will help me to know that you know. So it's not just in my little mind, my little secret, you know, because I know how quickly I will go from a one to then maybe 30 seconds of dwelling on it, like a two, and then maybe let's say it's drugs. You know, when, you know, you know, a few minutes into that, I'm going to be starting to think about where I can find some, you know, who I can go back to and get some from. That's like a four, five, six, you know. So it quickly, quickly um, escalates toward a full-blown relapse, you know, in, in almost no time at all. So we have to have some sort of accountability. Um, and um, I just think that's one way. In fact, I did that one time, Son, with a, a guy who had struggled with a cocaine addiction. And I had met him through a Bible study. I was uh, leading at the, the jail here in town. And um, he told me something I've never forgotten about his cocaine addiction. Uh, and and I, I just never heard it put this way. He said for him, the, the closest way he could describe his desire to have cocaine when that thing would hit him it was like if you're underwater and you just have to get uh, you just have to get air. And and uh, I thought, oh my goodness, uh, I never thought about it that that way. But um, but but so so in in other words, son. Um, oh, so I guess let me finish that. I, um, so I set it up with him and I said, Hey, you know, we set up that deal. Just text me a number one, you know, if you get triggered. And so we, we, we did that for a while. And, um, and then he, uh, he ended up moving away, but, um, you know, um, we have to be aware, son, even as Christians, that the power of sin is, is so strong that if we feed that tiger, um, if we go to the basement and try to just, you know, uh, kind of play with our sin for a bit. Jesus, meanwhile, is up on the couch, you know, hanging out, waiting for us to come back. It's like nothing good's going to happen down there. So, so we're better off just keeping our shoes off, staying on the couch, being like, you know, being like Moses when, you know, he met the Lord at the burning bush and the Lord said, you know, hey, take your sandals off. The place where you're standing is holy ground. So if we as Christians, son, we're to live every moment as though we're standing on holy ground. You know, I'm not going to put my shoes on. I'm going to stay right here uh, in the living room with the Lord. Whatever I'm doing, I mean, however busy my day is, you know, I, I want to stay right here with the Lord um, because if we start to make a way to the basement, um, it won't be long. We'll be walking down the steps. We'll be hanging out down there for a bit. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the, the struggle, the conflict between the spirit in us and the flesh, and it's a daily battle. Dan Delzell with us. And Dan, you know, one of the things I find interesting is the contradiction in the term gay Christian, because if you're saying you're a gay Christian, you're identifying yourself by your sexuality. And it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting because God created sexuality. God created, right. you know, man uh, in his image. And with that comes the sex aspect of a relationship, which he intended right. for man and woman in marriage. And mm-hmm. Part of that also comes with the reproduction aspect of it, to have children, uh, be right. fruitful, multiply. Um, and so right. there's all these things in there, but we don't identify ourselves, at least I don't, as a heterosexual Christian, or I don't Correct. identify myself by my sexuality. I identify myself right. by my relationship with Christ. And so I find it interesting that the people that call themselves gay Christian are actually identifying themselves by their sexuality. So logically speaking, 
it would seem kind of oxymoronical to call yourself a gay Christian because what do you what's what's first? Are you are you identifying yourself by your uh, sexuality or are you going to identify yourself as your you know uh, identity in Christ? Yeah, that's a very good point, Son. And and you know, here's the thing. Um, to go to your 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 great point there, you know, the Apostle Paul um, was so identified with Christ that it was almost like you know he just he he was he was no longer about self at all. In fact, even you know his name, as we know, changed. He went from Saul of Tarsus to the Apostle Paul. But one thing Paul wrote is that um, you know I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I myself who live but it's Christ who lives in me. And, and so the life of, of sanctification for the Christian is, is the life of Jesus being lived in us. Uh, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. So if I were to put it very simply, if somebody said, well, how do I live the Christian life? Um, one, one very simple way um, that we could, we could uh, answer that, and this is, this is very biblical, but uh, we could just say, learn to say no. You know, because the Bible tells us that it's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So what does that mean, son, to say no? It means that when we're sitting on the, in, in the living room, uh, there in the chair or in the sofa there, sitting there, and we're with the Lord, okay, um, and, and we start to get a tug to make a trip down to the basement, okay? Um, to say that word of gossip, to take the Lord's name in vain, to, to give in to that, you know, sinful sexual uh, temptation, um, whatever the temptation is, okay? When we get that urge to get up off the couch, the first thing we have to do is put our shoes on, you know? And, and so keep your shoes off, stay at a zero. Well, I'm already at a one or a two. Okay, well, you are where you are. You're 30 seconds into your trigger. Um, but it's going to be a lot easier to get from a two down to a zero than it is from a five down to a zero. Because if you hit five, my friend, um, you and I both know you're probably going to go to a 10. You're going to be in that basement. Lord's going to be up in the living room and we'll just have to wait till you come back, you know, because, uh, uh, so, so that's the thing, son, about the Christian life. If we will say no, if we will say no, if we will, um, not give in, you know, Jesus said, watch and pray so that you do not give in to temptation. You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the flesh, the flesh wants us in the basement. See, the, the flesh, the only way the flesh can get its power and its fix, okay, is, is in the basement. The flesh does not get a fix in the living room, okay? The only thing that happens in the living room is peace and joy and the fruit of the spirit and contentment, and, and you're not, you know, struggling with your, you know, your, your, your addiction and everything. And, and this is what's so diabolical about these laws against conversion therapy. I mean, basically what it's telling people is, no, you are now required to live in the basement. And we're going to make it illegal for somebody to teach you how to sit on the living room couch with Jesus. We're going to make it illegal, no matter how compassionate they might be, no matter how non-judgmental they might be, no matter how much they just might want you to be free from that thing where, as Son said, you're making that your identity. You know, now I'm a gay, whatever, gay Christian, gay atheist, gay this, gay that. Okay, rather than making that your identity, we're going to make it illegal for somebody to teach you how you can stay out of the basement. And I'll tell you, Son, anybody by God's grace can do it. 
Um, anybody by God's grace can live. That, that's, that's why there's victory. And that's on why terminology is so important and, and why I would never encourage a, a Christian who struggles with same-sex attraction to, to refer to your, to even to even refer to yourself as gay any longer, because I would not look at that person from a biblical perspective as being gay. Even if they said to me, you know what? I battle same sex attraction every day. I mean, I'm a believer in Jesus, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm by his grace seeking to live, you know, uh, 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 a celibate life and hopefully, you know, maybe begin to have some desires for the opposite sex. But in the meantime, um, you know, even if they said that son, I would never in my mind be, well, that's a gay Christian because, because gay really needs to be reserved for those who are embracing what that life is. And, and the Bible says that that life is a life lived in the basement. Okay. It's a life lived in the basement. Um, well, I'm a gossiping Christian. That's a life lived in the basement. Uh, I'm a slandering uh, Christian. I slander. That's a life lived in the basement. I'm an adulterous Christian. That's a life lived in the basement. Um, now the question uh, to anyone would be, Okay, so you've, you've given into that sin, you're saying. Do you want to live there, or do you want to live on the couch with Jesus? And, and even though the world, son, wants to say, oh, you can do both, uh, it's impossible. Even if you had one foot on the basement steps and one foot, you wouldn't, you'd be nowhere, okay? You, you wouldn't be in the living room. You, you, you cannot go two ways at the same time. You cannot split your body in two. You're, in this case, your, your, your soul, you know, the real you, who you are, who you want to be. You're going to have to make a choice. Am I going to live in the basement or am I going to live in the living room? And, 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 and if I, if I find myself making, you know, messing up and making some trips to the basement, the real you is who you want to be. You're going to have to make that decision. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be a slanderer or do you want to be a Christian? Do you want to be a murderer or do you want to be a Christian? Do you want to be an atheist? Or do you want to be a Christian? Do you want to be an adulterer? Or do you want to be a Christian? Do you want to be, um, uh, a homosexual offender or do you want to be a Christian? You know, I mean, you have to make a decision of who you want and then identify with that. But but don't lead with a sinful term uh, unless you basically want to tell the world, you know, I'm dominated by this thing because a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So if you're going to say I'm a gay this or I'm a gay that or I'm a slandering this, or I'm a slandering that. All you're saying, I'm a gambling this, I'm a gambling that. All you're saying is because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is the thing that dominates me. And, and even though I might try to, you know. Um, you know, make it a little bit better by adding a term behind it, like Christian or good person or whatever. Um, this is the thing that dominates my life. This rules my life. I am a slave to this thing. And, and I'm choosing to be. I'm choosing to be a slave to this thing. And even though maybe I've convinced myself I was born with, with a bad temper and, you know, my, it's in my genes and, you know, they, my, my dad was a big drinker. And so, you know, I drink, you know, whatever excuses a person might use, Okay, the first thing that they want to identify with, and this goes to your point, Son, uh, why, why you were, um, you know, rightly, um, you know, addressing that, that improper terminology is be because those two things don't go together. You know, they just, you know, saying I'm a gay Christian is like saying um, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian Muslim or I'm a Buddhist Christian or, or I'm a Christian Hindu. You know, well, you know, they're incompatible. Okay, they are not compatible. So make, make the choice. Make the choice, and then whatever you want to lead with, if you want people to know what, what your dominant thing is, then lead with that. You know, if it's gay this, gay this, then that's your thing. If it's Christian this, Christian that, then that's your thing. But lead with whatever you want to dominate, rule, and direct your life. And, and in the case of the Lord, it'll be, it'll be uh, you know, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burning, and I will give you rest. 
So if you want rest, my friend, it's in the living room. It's not in the basement. And we're all guilty of having gone there, you know, many times. But um, the Lord says, come to me. And that's the call on our lives today. Dan, I want to play uh, one more uh, clip from uh, Michael Brown and and uh, get some thoughts real quick. Hold on. Sure. To the contrary, to use the Bible to say that God ordained marriage to be the union of a man and a woman, to use the Bible to say that homosexual practice is sinful, to use the Bible to say that God did not design a man to be with another man or a woman to be with another woman, that is not to misuse the Bible, that is to properly use the Bible. And if we do it in the love of God with tears reaching out to all and offering them new life in Jesus, then we are rightly using the Word of God. And the, the point I want to point out there in that clip is, you know, approaching them, whoever it might be, with the love of Jesus, inviting them into a new life. It doesn't matter yeah. what your sin is. It doesn't matter if you're gay. It doesn't matter if you're a gambler. It doesn't matter if you're a liar, a stealer, right. adulterer, right. whatever Amen. it is. If we approach people with yeah. the love of Christ and are that example to them and invite them into that life with Christ, that's the important thing. The important thing is yeah. that we should maybe take a step back and stop now it's important because I know there's a lot of denominations and church religions and and uh and you know church bodies that you know we need to fight uh with for example you know we've got the churches here in California being shut down and there's some pastors stepping up and saying no we're going to open churches so there's sometimes we do have to fight but in this case maybe along with fighting the social issues and 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 the and the biblical issues maybe we need to step back and start worrying about ourselves and how we treat other people, no matter who they are, and focus on ourselves to see, am I being an example for Christ that might yeah. be a witness to somebody else so that no matter what they're suffering from, no matter what their yeah. sin might be, whether it be gay, yeah. whether it be gambling, whether it be alcohol, whether it be addiction, whether it be abusive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. whatever, then they're going to look at me and be like, that's the life that I want. Because um, ultimately, real quick, I was watching a video that popped up, and it was a conversation about a guy who became one of the you know most decorated porn stars of the 80s and people you know wanted to be him and he was telling the story about how it just basically drained him it just you know to the point of suicidal thoughts i mean so Mm. what 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 the lifestyle that he was living that people were glorifying and that people wanted to be like was the very lifestyle that was killing him inside and that's the thing that we have to realize from a christian perspective that no matter what it is if we live for the world it might yeah. be the lifestyle that people want and crave, but it's the lifestyle that's right. killing us. And it's the lifestyle yeah. that we live in Christ for the future and all eternity so that when we get to heaven, that's the lifestyle yeah. that we should be living and leading by example for so that the yeah. lifestyle we live isn't killing us, but leading us to yeah. everlasting life. Yeah. yeah, I tell you, that that's beautifully, beautifully said, Son. And, and what I thought of when you said that is one thing that I think can help us to – um, have that compassion for for um, anyone struggling is is to think of it this way, okay? Everybody right now is really in one of three locations. Uh, they're either you know in the in the living room, living on the main level with with the Lord hanging out, maybe in the kitchen or you know the bedroom or the den or something like this, uh, or they're in the basement. You know they're feeding their flesh, they're going against their conscience, against the Bible, and. You know, trying to keep one foot up on the main level, but they, they keep running back down the basement, you know. Uh, those are two spots. So, so one would be, you know, a Christian who's giving into temptation. One would be a Christian who's just enjoying God's presence and peace and, and, and not, not going against the conscience, their conscience and the word. And then the third group would be those outside the house 
who are uh, not yet in Christ. So, so they're not saved. They're not in God's house, his tabernacle, you know. So one thing that can help us have compassion, I think, for people is, you know, whoever we might be thinking of or talking about, whether that person is, let's say, outside the house or whether they're maybe just living in the basement, but they're a professing Christian. And, and so, you know, we're not, it's not our job to, to judge, you know, their heart, but it, it sure seems like they're, you know, they're, they're struggling with something. But wherever that person might be, okay, if we can look at that person's thought and in our heart, honestly see and believe that we are just as guilty of sin as them and, and, and that we don't have anything we can, we, we can say or think that would put us above them in any way because the only holiness or godliness or, or, or um, good in us is from God. We can't take an ounce of credit for it. Um, we, we, we are responsible for the bad that we, we've committed, but God's responsible for the good. And, and if we can honestly have that perspective, son, then I think, you know, people are going to, they're going to be able to tell many times if we're looking down on them, uh, because of, you know, let's just take two of the things we've talked about today, you know, uh, homosexual behavior and, and drunkenness. Okay. So if a person is engaging in one of those things, let's say, and let's say maybe they're either outside the house, they're not yet in Christ, they're not born again, saved, redeemed, justified, and forgiven, they're not a Christian yet, or they're in the basement. And it's somebody that we really think is a Christian, but now they're really, you know, they're they're struggling with this thing and, and fighting, and, and it's just like this is not, you know, they're, they're torn. And you would be torn in that situation because, you know, nobody in the basement's happy. Nobody, because the only way, you know, um, you know, you, you can live outside the house and, and get into sin and, and, uh, and be a lot happier than you would be as a Christian, you know, who's living in the basement. You won't be happy again, you know, when you meet the Lord, but, but you, you, you will not be happy uh, in the basement. No Christian ever is. Um, so wherever a person might be, son, if we can honestly, honestly, you know, in our own heart, um, see that, you know, I'm not an ounce better than that person. And if God can use me to help them, whether they're in the basement, whether they're outside the house, if God can use me to lead them to Christ and help them point them to a better life, then, then so be it. So it starts in our own heart. And, 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 you know, when people say, well, you know, Christians are just so uh, judgmental or critical. Well, you know, anybody who's run into a professing Christian, I say professing because, you know, not everybody who says they're a Christian is, but it, it, and especially if somebody's a judgmental type of person, I mean, that's not a very good indictment on their Christianity um, or very good evidence for Christ being in them. But um, be that as it may, you know, I mean, there are, you know, it can happen. Um, but but uh, um, it, it's just not something that, um, you know, that, that people need. Um, uh, God hasn't treated us that way. We have no right to look down on anyone, no matter where they're at, outside the house, you know, maybe they're in the base, maybe they fell into something that, you know, they, they used to give into, and now they're back into it, and uh, we're just as guilty of sin. So we have to approach people that way, son, and with God's grace and love, and there's victory in Jesus, and so, um, you know, it, it's exciting to, um, to just be able to talk with you about this, you know, son, because, you know, you and I certainly, we, we, we don't have all these things mastered, or we don't know all this 100%. Um, but what we do know 100% is this. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Jesus died for our sins. Heaven is our home. And um, some of these other areas, you know, we're just trying to help people the best we can. And um, we've still got a lot to learn, but we know that Jesus, um, that he forgives everybody who comes to him, and he gives eternal life to everybody who comes to him. And that's where it's at right there, uh, today, tomorrow, and forever. And so, Dan, as we um, start out the conversation, the question was, can you be 
gay and a Christian, or can you be a gay Christian? And through the conversation that we've had, what would the simple answer be? Uh, I, I would say that a simple way to answer that would be this song. Um, a person can struggle with temptation. A person can have desires that are not from the Lord and, and certainly be a Christian in the midst of that struggle, no matter how long that struggle goes, even if it's their whole life, uh, you know, he or she finds that the struggle is, is just a daily battle. Okay. But, but, but what the Bible says a person cannot be is a person cannot be both a Christian and someone who is choosing to try to have sin sit on the throne of their heart along with Jesus. You have to choose. Um, so, so on one hand, no, um, you can't be gay and a Christian. You, you, you can't be um, a hater and be a Christian. You can't be a, a slanderer and be a Christian. You can't be a drunkard and be a Christian. But if we're using the term gay to mean um, same-sex attraction and nothing more than just the attraction, well, then yes. Um, although I wouldn't use that term. I don't think it's wise. I don't think it's biblical. I would say, yes, a person can, can, can have that attraction and, and be a Christian, just like Christians struggle with a whole host of desires. Um, a Christian is someone who turns from sin and trusts Jesus as Savior. To repent is a change of mind. Uh, metanoia is the Greek word, change of mind. So can a person be gay and a Christian? Um, well, first, you better define what you mean by gay. Uh, and, and, and once we define that, then we can answer that question. But, but if we don't define what that term means or leave it very loose, then it, it's really impossible to answer that question. Um, you know, we have to know what a person means when they ask the question, can you be gay and a Christian? And the simple answer is, um, well, um, there, there's only room on the throne of your heart for one Lord, one sheriff, one master. And the Bible says a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So if a person asks that, maybe what I would say to them is this. If you had to choose between living um, a gay, in, in a gay lifestyle or living with Jesus, if you had to choose between those two, you can only have one, that will tell you right there, um, you know, where a person is at. And, and, um, they can't be both because then we could use a whole host of other things in there. You know, if you had to choose between being prejudiced or being, um, a, a, or being with Jesus, which would you choose? You can't be both. You, you can't look down on other races and, and, and say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, but I look down on other races. It doesn't work that way. You have to choose. Um, so that's the way I would answer that song. I know that's maybe not quite as simple as some, you know, maybe would want it to be, but, but it, it is a question that deserves, we have to unpack it just a little bit in order to really understand, I think, what we're, what we're saying when we answer that question. Now, I think that's a good analogy when you say this or that. Do you want to mm-hmm. serve Jesus or whatever it is yeah. that, that is in your life? Someone asked me yeah. one time, asked me if I thought gay people would be in heaven. And my response was, um, well, first off, the only thing I'm really concerned about is if I get there. Uh, first and foremost. Second of all, um, if you're gay and repentive, like any other yeah. sin, yeah, you right. could be there. And then third, my response, which, which I really think is, is somewhat true. If we were still in our humanly state when we get to heaven, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people with their jaws dropped 
looking at somebody and saying, I can't believe they got here. Um, right, you know, right. because I think that we, I think this is where the Christian church has failed, uh, sometimes in a lot of things that we do is we, we set the hierarchy of sin, the hierarchy of religion, the hierarchy of, you know, people would think Billy Graham is, is more righteous and, and more of a Christian than let's say our next door neighbor. Well, he might have done more and going back to what you talked about earlier, his rewards might be greater, but as far as a righteous Christian, there is, it's the same. You know, Jesus, God, God looks at sin the same just as much as he looks at a righteous person the same. The result of rewards and damnation might be different. The consequences might right. be different, but I think God looks at them at the same. Would I be wrong? No, no, no. That, that That's right, son. And to back up what we're talking about here in 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 9, it says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So these labels, son, are only given to people who are unbelievers, not, not to believers. But to unbelievers, but, but Paul says, this is what some of you were. So let's say you have a Christian today who, um, you know, falls into one of these sins. Um, it doesn't mean that person is no longer a Christian, but it just means that that Christian is going to be incredibly miserable the way David was when he committed adultery with Bathsheba until he repents of his sin. And if he doesn't repent, and just throws his life into that, into that thing that's thin, okay, then what he's saying is, this is my identity, you know, this is my identity, you know, um, and, and the Bible says you cannot have both identities. You, you cannot have an identity in Christ and then also have sin on the throne, um, and, and that's why the Bible says this is what some of you were. So the moment we come to Christ on, those, those labels, those old labels fall off us. Um, well, we're not that anymore. And anytime we, we revert to the old life and make a trip to the basement, that doesn't mean now that all of a sudden now we're no longer a Christian. It just means that, you know, we messed up and that's why we're so miserable. And, and if we can live in the basement, here's the thing, son, if a person can live in the basement and not be miserable, what it most likely means is they're not in the basement at all. They're outside the house. Okay. They're not in the basement at all. Because if you can live for sin and not be miserable, then you're looking in from the outside, my friend. You, you, you know, you're not, how can you, you're not in Christ. The Holy Spirit isn't in you. You would be miserable throwing your life into that sin. Okay. And, and, um, and so this is the message that we all need to hear and why it's so diabolical when these counter messages come into our culture and into the ears of young people and others and try to convince them, well, you can, you can, you can do this and you can do that and then, and, and still walk with Christ. Well, you know what? The Bible tells us uh, right and wrong, and, and we, we better not be taking our cues from, our, from the culture because, you know, the highway to hell, Jesus said, the, 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 the road to destruction is broad, and the road that leads to life is narrow, and Jesus even said only a few find it. So, um, you know, relatively speaking, you know, whatever that means, a few, uh, I mean, we know there'll be, you know, millions of Christians in heaven, but, oh my goodness, I shudder to think about how many won't be there. But today is the day of salvation, son, and any listener can come to Christ today, 
repent of his or her sin. My friend, it's not about your past. It's not even about your current desires. You know, the question is, are you willing to make Jesus the Lord of your life and surrender your life to him? Are you willing to ask him to come in? Are you willing, you know, Jesus said, um, you know, uh, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So, so today is the day, my friend, to just, to just meet with Christ and be forgiven today, tomorrow, and forever. And that's the thing to remember. The ultimate thing is that we need to remember that there's nobody perfect. We've all sinned. We all fall short, and we need Jesus. And without Jesus, we're in a world of trouble. And if that's we right. do accept Jesus, then our goal and our uh, focus should be on being the example, like Jesus was with yeah. the woman at the well, like Jesus was right. with the adulterer, uh, like Jesus was with all the other people that he associated with, not yeah. to be judgmental because we're not Jesus, but not to be judgmental, but to be the example of Jesus so that when people look at us, they see something different in us and they want to know what that difference is. And then we can tell them that difference is Christ. Here's my testimony. And then hopefully that makes a change and results in, you know, somebody else entering the kingdom of heaven and, uh, and stop worrying about the, the condemnation, the judgmenting. I mean, judgmenting is a word, but, you know, being judgmental towards other people and their lifestyle because we can always point the finger back at ourselves with something. That's not to mean that we shouldn't speak up or speak out against something, no matter what it is, you know, child abuse or alcoholism, whatever. We need to speak out and be vocal, but we can do it in a non-judgmental way um, on a personal level. On the church level, that might be a different story, but on the personal level, and just remember, you know, that, you know, praying for somebody, um, you know, just being there as a friend for somebody. You don't have to condone their relationship, but you don't have to ostracize them, I think, and, you know, it's something I would approach. It would be my approach. Um, and just yeah. realize that, you know what, ultimately, just by being the example mm-hmm. and sharing what we believe and living that example, then God will use it. And to remember, and to me, this is the most important reminder for me, is that mm-hmm. I can't do anything. I can be used by God to do something, but I can't do anything. And so all I need to do is make sure that I am in the right and not living in my basement and living for Christ because then he will use me accordingly. Amen. I'll tell you, son, I think what seems like kind of a natural evolution from today's talk, um, as as you think about next week, um, you know, I know we had those several weeks on the foundations. I could easily see us spending uh, a podcast on Romans chapter seven, and and Paul beautifully, as the apostle, lays out you know this this conflict that's going on within, and, and and one one just a little teaser I'll put on that you know Paul said there in that chapter, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. So so in other words, Paul recognized that his basement room was just as bad as anybody's. Uh, in their soul, and yet um, Paul described the struggle, the conflict. It's an ongoing conflict, even for Christians today. And and so um, at some point here, I think it'd be wonderful if if, if we had that discussion on Romans seven, son, because um, it does help to explain why born again people, um, you know, we're not in heaven yet, and and we still have these these horrible at times desires that that crop up, or even that we maybe feed in this way or that way, and so. How are we going to, how do we wrap our mind around that? Um, and, and then not just, you know, suddenly lose our assurance of salvation, but get back on track with the Lord, um, and, and get out of the basement. So I think that would be a very, uh, a very good talk at some point for us to, to, to have there in Romans 7. 
And one more thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but one thing we have to remember is that, too, if, you know, we repent and God forgives us, we need to forgive ourselves. Oftentimes, we beat ourselves up over things God has forgiven us, and that makes our lives even more miserable. And so, again, no matter what it is we're going through, if God has forgiven us and we've repented from that, then we need to forgive ourselves because there's no point in us beating ourselves up over something that God doesn't remember. No, no. And, and you know what, son? The, the very fact that we do that, okay, is just another evidence of our pride because pride is all about self. Pride is either, oh, look how great I am, or man, I don't know if God could forgive me because I'm so terrible. But either of those, um, I mean, the one seems like it would be more humble than the other, but actually they're both forms of pride. And you're exactly right, though, to, to mention that, son. Um, we, we do get it. We get absorbed with self. So it's like we can't seem to win, you know? Um, if we do get some things right, or at least think we're getting them right, then, hey, look at me. You know, I'm so great. If we get it wrong, which is going to happen at times, oh, man, you know, uh, we can't seem to get past that. So it's always looking at ourselves and the Bible. No wonder the Bible says fix your thoughts on Jesus and to turn our eyes on Jesus. Uh, you know, Corey Tenboom, the concentration camp survivor, had this wonderful quote, son. Um, with everything going on in the world today, this is, this is a really good quote, too. She said, um, look without and be distressed. So meaning look out around you. And today with COVID and riots and everything else, look without and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. So just keep looking at, you know, be introspective. Always micromanage your your life and how great you are, how you messed up. It's all about you, you know. So look without and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. Look at Jesus and be at rest. So the Christian life, Really, I would sum up in two things. Look at Jesus, really trust Jesus, look at Jesus, um, and then just say no. Look at Jesus, trust Jesus, just say no. Believe in Jesus, just say no. Stay in, stay in the living room with Jesus, just say no. I mean, it's very simple. Justification, trust in Jesus, be justified. Um, just say no, you know, be sanctified, just say no. I mean, that, that in a nutshell, um, and, and, and our whole life on earth, um, is, is really revolving around those two things, son. What a person does with Jesus to get inside the house with him and him to come inside your body, you know, and the Holy Spirit to come within you. And then secondly, how to stay out of that doggone basement. You know, how in the world, and, you know, when that person just upset me so much and I'm so tempted to fall back to the old way I used to respond or whatever, um, you know, um, trust in Jesus, look at Jesus, just say no. I mean, there, there it is in a nutshell. Yeah, and just say no, worked for Nancy Reagan with drugs back in the 80s, so why not uh, with sin here hey. today, right? Well, and it's very biblical, Son, because again, you know, that, that verse in, in, in Scripture, in Titus, you know, it's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So in other words, Jesus will teach us if we'll keep our eyes on Him. I mean, just think of every time we had a, a thought, a desire, a decision to make, Jesus, well, what do you say on this one? You know, I know there was the what would Jesus do, you know? But for the Christian, you know, we're not saved by what we do, but we will, we will walk in, in much more power and freedom and, and holy living if, if we do ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, are you okay with this? I mean, you know, and the Lord says, well, you know, I can almost hear the Lord say, well, wait a second. Are, are you saying, are you asking me if I'm okay if you do this thing that's from the basement? Is that what you're asking? Well, I guess I am, Lord. I, well, I think you already know the answer to that. Okay, Lord, thanks. I just wanted to check. But I mean, you know, checking in with the Lord on these things is a good way to do it always. Dan, I know we uh, went a little bit longer than normal, but it was a great conversation. Appreciate it. Uh, If uh, somebody wants to uh, 
get a hold of you, maybe has some questions or wants to know more information? Is there an email or someplace they can reach out and find you? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've got different uh, Sunday messages there uh, on our uh, Facebook page. If they go to Redeemer uh, in Papillion, Nebraska, um, or uh, they could email me, of course, Dan Delzell at Cox.net, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at Cox, C-O-X.net. And then you referenced at the beginning, Son, just about the articles I've written there for the Christian Post. Uh, like over 500 articles are, are, are there. So if they Googled uh, my name and then on Christian Post, uh, these topics and many others are covered there in, in those articles. Yeah, and just go to uh, ChristianPost.com and search, and you can find uh, under Dan Delzell a lot of the articles that uh, he has written about. And also the other thing, too, if you go to uh, – Podbean and just search up from nonsense to God sense, you'll find a lot of the other um, articles or I mean things we've talked about and um, and you'll be able to find you know some of the things that we've talked about in the past and one of the things that we've talked about in the past was for example the age of the earth is God's business I know you brought that up earlier so there's a lot of things we've talked about that you right. can find if you just go to podbean.com and then search mm-hmm. in from nonsense to God sense or you can search in Edom Rocks Radio E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S radio and uh, find all our interviews. Also on Instagram, I'm at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. Uh, again, Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate your time and extending the uh, extra time with us on this conversation, and we look forward to uh, many more conversations, Ed. Well, thank you, Son, for having me again for this uh, terrific conversation, and I, I look forward to us doing it again here uh, next week, and we'll dive right back into to God's Word and, and to these exciting topics of our faith. And for you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.